hard to follow that song. That's good stuff, isn't it? Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Roar in us. Roar in us. Father, I thank you. I praise you for all that you are and all that you do. We glorify you. We magnify you. We worship you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is anybody thankful? Thank you, Lord. Tell him. Tell him. Father, thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, God. Father, I thank you for allowing us to be in this place of your presence and of your glory. Father, I thank you for allowing us to step in to that place, God. I thank you that this is a this is a uh, location of your spirit, a location where we can get together with with other saints and to receive the the power, the presence and the glory of who you are, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would make this place like an Eden, a place of your presence, a place where we get to walk with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's a lot of times that I come up here and what I talk to you guys about during this time is a lot of times it's what I'm going through. It's my response to what God's doing in the room. And I don't know why this morning there's this edge of anxiety that's happening. And just be, I'll just be honest with you. It's, it's weighty, not in a good way. And so standing there listening to the, to the worship set and, and hearing those songs and trying to place my heart into the right space. I find that there's just this urgency on the inside, not a good urgency. And so I said, God, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? What do we do when we experience anxiety? Not not just a Sunday morning. I'm talking about every day. There's some people in this room that live with anxiety continually. Here's what the Word says. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. Humble yourself. And he said, casting all your care over on him because he cares for you. Casting all of your care. Casting all of your care. What's your care today? Why are you, why, why is there anxiousness? I guess I have to answer that question. And it is, it is, uh, can I be honest with you? I mean, I'm, Oh, you're Pastor Darren. Your your life is perfect. You're right. This this need to perform. That ain't what this is about. This is no performance up here. And I need to cast that care over on him. I heard it this way one time. Casting all your care. Hey, Dustin. There's my wallet. That's all my care. Now, now the only the only way that I can get that back is say, Dustin, give it to me. Now I've got all my anxiety back. This is just an example. It's not my anxiety. But you know what? 
Jesus won't do that. When we humble ourselves and we cast it over on him, now he gets to keep it. There's some credit cards in there and you keep all the debt too. No, I'm kidding. No, we don't have no debt. But that's, that's the only way. Don't take it back. Once you cast that care over, once you cast that anxiety over on him, don't take it back. minister to anybody this morning? Yes. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God. And He'll exalt you in due time. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for these that have come this morning. Father, I thank you these for these that are in-house, in-person, and, and those who are watching. Father, I pray that this morning that the Lion of Judah would roar in us. Roar against our anxieties. Roar against our pressures. Roar against the performances Roar against our um, our hypocrisy. God, roar. Roar against that. Father, scare all the demons away from our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Do you receive it this morning? Yes. Say amen. 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 All right. I didn't ask for it back. Wow. Man, what a great worship set. Can you all give our worship team a, a round of applause, please? Man, such a good set. Love it. All right. How you all doing this morning? Two of you are good. How you all doing this morning? Good deal. Well, I'm glad you all came this morning. I'm glad you all came to church. It's, it's a good place to be on a Sunday morning, even with the time change, right? Amen. Well, I plan, I plan on preaching fire this morning. And so with that, I'm going to need y'all to get on fire. I don't need you playing like your wood's wet. You need to get on fire. Amen. I'm not going to make you, but if you want to, I'm giving you your shot right now. Get on fire. Amen. Kenneth Watts, how you doing? Yeah, it's good to see you in the house this morning. Man, I miss you. It's good to see you. So good. We got Felicia last week. We get you this week. So, man, y'all just keep rotating like that, all right? All right. Well, want to welcome everybody this morning. Welcome to our Facebook Live platform or anybody that's watching by podcast or uh, YouTube or, I don't know, are we on YouTube yet? Thanks, Brad. <laughs> so YouTube, uh, I want to say hello to our Kingdom Ranch family out in Merced, California. Hey, guys, we are praying for you. I know that the rains have come and the floods have tried to come again. So we, we just pray against all um, destruction that rain might bring. But we thank God for the rain for you guys because I know you've been in the drought. And so we were praying for you. And uh, we just we appreciate you all joining us this morning. So. With that, um, I'm going to be finishing up my series today, and I'm, I'm surprised more people didn't show up for this. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm afraid of. So, um, so we're going to, I'm going to wrap up the series that I've been talking about, about the presence, the power, restoring the presence, the power, and the glory of God. Amen. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So if you have your, your Bibles with you this morning, if you would go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 
And, and what we've been discovering in the last couple of weeks is that, you know, in our humanity, in, we are all of the race of Adam. I don't care who you are, you came from Adam. And, and so being from that race means that it carries a lot of, uh, humanity. And, and we're trying desperately. We, we want desperately for the Spirit of God to begin to purify us and purge some, uh, some of that race out, right? Some of that, that Adam, now Adam was, was a good dude and at one point and then he screwed up. Have you ever screwed up? I have. And so that just proves that I'm of the race of Adam, uh, to, to be able to not be willing and obedient. But, um, anyways, what I've, dis- what we've discovered over the last couple of weeks is that, you know, when our sin and our shortcomings become a result of, of where we're at, of who we are and things like that, that it is, um, it is so, um, easy. It is so, uh, easy for us to be put into a place of guilt and shame. Amen? I mean, when, when we make a mistake, whenever we, do things that that impact our Christianity, of what our Christianity is supposed to be. When we do things like that, when, when we do things to miss that mark, it, it brings guilt and shame. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. It wasn't just sin. It was sin resulting in guilt and shame. And so uh, what we feel a lot of times when that guilt and shame comes on us is, is um, a separation. A separation from God. Now, God, in, even in the midst of the worst, disgusting thing that we are, even in the middle of that, God still does not separate Himself from us. But what happens when guilt and shame comes on us is that we begin to separate ourselves from Him. Just like Adam and Eve did. They ran and hid in His, in His presence, right? Many times that uh, when we feel that separation, many times we feel that God removes his presence and that results in a loss of power for us. And nothing could be further from the truth because God wants to be with us in spite of us. In spite of us, God wants to be with us. He wants to... He, uh, I love that scripture in Psalm 23 that says, His mercy follows us. His mercy is right there. As we're separating and trying to walk away from Him, mercy is following. And God meant it when He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He meant it. He don't leave us, but we can leave Him pretty easy. Amen. I'm not talking about walking away from the faith. I'm just talking about a moment that we walk away from what's right or we turn our back on what's right or we turn our back on His goodness and try to make our own goodness. Does that make sense? So that's because of those things, because of the way that that guilt and shame comes, because of the way we feel, because that we separate ourselves from God, because we don't like to be in His presence in that moment, because that we think that we don't have any power, that we can't walk in miracle signs and wonders because how bad we are or were. 
we, 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 that, that is the very reason that we need transformation. And so we've been talking a lot about transformation. And so that's where I'm going to start again this week. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. New King James Version says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The, that word renewing means to be, uh, to make a renovation. I like watching HGTV. My feminine side is showing. Not really. I like, I like those kind of shows. I like the, you know, the one thing, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I, I, she is so mean to that man. She is so mean to him. I feel sorry for Chip sometimes. But that has nothing to do with it. I say that because it kind of irks my wife a little bit. She's not mean to him. Yeah, she is. Anyways, um, I, I love Demo Day on on their show. I love that Demo Day because because what they're doing is seeing something that needs to be transformed. They're looking at transformation there, and and God wants to wants us to be tore down and renovated. He wants us to our minds in this natural state is stupid, <laughs> but we need a renovation from stupid. Amen. Golly, that, that woke everybody up, didn't it? <clears throat> and so that, that word renewing, what God was saying in that, in that moment through the Apostle Paul is he's saying, renewing your mind, renovating or a complete change of our mind. Our mind is that, uh, that intellectual faculty to understand, determine, and reason. Y'all, we need a mind that reasons right. We need a mind that determines our life right. Amen? So that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Nothing that God wants more than His fullness in humanity restored to us from Him and for Him. That is the whole reason that Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross to rescue us. When we say, when, when we use this, you know, we, a lot of times we become a Christian, we got to learn how to speak Christianese, right? You know, you got Chinese, Japanese, Christianese. And, and so we learn how to, to speak this Christianese thing, you know, and, and in that we, um, we think, you know, well, I'm saved. I'm saved. The word saved means rescue. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to save us, but he went to, went to the cross to re, uh, rescue us from the evil that Adam and Eve led in the garden. He came to rescue, rescue us from evil and to set us on a path of transformation. So that's why we've been talking about restoring the presence, the power, and the glory. So today I want to talk to you about restoring the glory of God. Restoring the glory. Can you say that? Restore the glory. Because it's the very thing that God wants to do in all of us. It's, it's a, it's one of His purposes. 
is to restore the glory to us. He wants to recover us to glory. And by the time we get through this message today, you're going to understand why he wants to recover us with his glory. Amen. All right. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. It's not very hard to find from the front. Unless you got my Bible. Oh, look. I got my $5 bill still. Yeah. Wind it up. Oh, it didn't give me another five? Okay. (laughs) All right. Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter one, what we see is the is the uh, the six days of creation that happened. God created the earth in six days, and in seven on the seventh day He rested. But on the sixth day, He created Adam. Adam was was God's guy. He He made him in His in God's image and God's likeness. And so then, when you when you go into Genesis chapter two, what you see is Adam and Eve uh, being given their res- roles and responsibilities. You see Adam. Uh, being put to sleep and God taking a rib out of him and, and building Eve and putting them together. And when God put them together, then he gave him the, gave them the roles and responsibilities of living in the garden. And so they, they take on these roles and responsibilities and God describes them this way. And I just want to read one verse. It's the very last verse of verse of uh, chapter two. And it says this. And they both, verse 25, and they both were naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were naked and not ashamed. There's a reason why they were not ashamed. There's a reason. Now, there's an ancient understanding that before the sin, before the fall of man, that Adam and Eve were clothed in the glory of God. Now, there's, there's nowhere in the Bible that says Adam and Eve were clothed in the glory. But as you go through the Bible and, and see and study God's glory, you're going to, you'll see why that that ancient tradition is there because that's what they were covered in because that's what God taught. It is, it is, uh, it's good theology. Let me just say that to say that they were clothed in glory because as you see God put his presence on men of God and women of God, uh, in Bible times, you see that they were clothed in glory. God always goes to glory. And we don't understand that a lot of times. And so Adam and Eve were clothed in God's God's glory. The relationship with God that they had was so intimate that his, who he was, who he is, came out in their in, in their presence. They didn't need clothes because they had God's glory on them. When people uh, would see them, when uh, I don't know who, who else was there to see them. When, let me just, let me put it this way. When the animal saw them, okay? When the animal saw them. Man, I don't like thinking stupid. I like to renew my mind, you know? When the animal saw them, they saw them in glory. They saw them in glory. The splendor of God shined from them. The splendor of God. Because before the fall, what Adam and Eve were clothed in is the love of God. Complete, pure love of God. They didn't know evil. 
And that's what the serpent came and, and leveraged against Adam and Eve to deceive them to think that they needed to know more than what God had given them. They needed to know more than just the love of God. They needed to know what it was to, to see the evil that was in the world. Because he said, he said, if you see, God don't want you to know both good and evil. And you need to be like God and you need to know evil. So that's why you need to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that you can know what God knows. They knew all that they needed to know what God knows. They knew the purest love without anything else in it. Without any toxicity in it. They didn't know evil and they didn't need to know evil. So let's move on over to Genesis chapter 3. And let's see what happened. Verse 7. We're going to go to verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them, this is now they've eaten the fruit, and the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew, uh, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool, in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called, uh, the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Like God didn't know where they were. He said, I, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Well, we all know the answer to that. But God says to him, you know, who told you you were naked? The presence, the power, and the glory of God were separated from Adam and Eve when they ate of that fruit. And so the knowledge of evil that came to them did not bring more understanding, but it didn't diminish the truth and the love and limited their relationship with God at that moment. It diminished the truth. A knowledge of evil, which we all have that now, that's what we have to fight through so many times, right? We have to fight through that evil. We have to fight through that to, to find the truth. And when we find the truth, we find relationship with God. That's why we need transformation. That's why we need God. That's why we need uh, Jesus to go to the cross. That's why we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when they did that, it left them naked and afraid. And not only naked and afraid, but it brought in guilt and shame. So I looked this word shame up. The word shame uh, carries the idea that that when when they looked at one another, um, they saw less of one another. That's how they knew they were naked. They didn't know they were naked until they knew that they were naked. And when they knew that they were naked, they saw that, that it was less, not more. The enemy said, you'll get more. But they didn't get more. They got less. And, and, and when less came into their way of thinking, into their thoughts, they began to not only look at themselves with shame and embarrassment, but they began to look at each other 
with shame and embarrassment. I mean, that's the, I mean, still today, one of the, one of the words, one of the new words is body shaming, right? They were body shaming back then too. It, it's not a new today thing. It's an old thing. And so they, um, they, they looked at one another and thought less of one another in that because they, they thought less of themselves. And when they thought less of themselves and when they thought less of each other, it brought in blame. Shame releases blame because God said, who told you you were naked? And in, in verse 12, it says, um, it's the man said, Adam said, the woman you gave me. Now listen, he didn't just blame Eve in the midst of his shame. He blamed God in the midst of his shame. I mean, the woman you gave me. And he was quite serious about it. And when he became quite serious about it, God says, we ain't playing this, Jack. Their glory at that moment was exchanged for being left exposed and vulnerable. They exchanged every, they exchanged the pure love of God for the shame and the exposure, the, 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 the vulnerability. And it wasn't a good vulnerability. I believe there's a place that we walk as Christians in, in place of vulnerability, but it's for God's good. It's not for evil. And so they, they became vulnerable. They exchanged the glory of God for vulnerable, being left vulnerable. So this, this word that, that I'm going to be using a lot today is glory. This word glory is kind of hard to understand sometimes. I mean, we can, we kind of have a knowledge, you know, when we, when we write songs about the glory. We sang one this morning, you know, we need your glory. And, and when the preacher gets up and talks about glory, 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 glory. But a lot of times we hear this word glory and we don't know exactly what it means. So I want to try to help out a little bit today. Um, so I looked this up and this, this came from the, the New Spirit Filled Life Bible. And definition for glory is the, the Hebrew word kabod. Kabod, spelled C-H-A-B-O-D. Kabod. And it means weighty or heavy. And there was a time before I went to the gym that I was a little weighty and heavy. <laughs> but that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. But the, the glory of God is that weighty or heavy feel. That's why, that's why a lot of times when, when you go to a service or maybe you've been in this service or maybe you've seen something on TV on, on Christian television or something and you see people lined up and, and a preacher go along and pray for them and they go and they hit the floor, they fall, you know? Everybody know that? Everybody seen that? People fall down. And there's a lot of times we can say, oh, that was just fake. These people are falling down. This preacher's pushing them down, whatever. But I have been in a place where I say, you know, I'm just stubborn. And, and I'll say, you know, there is no way that I'm going to, if God wants to put me down, God will put me down. And I don't need to embellish that. I don't need to fake it till I make it. But the times that I have fell, in the midst of somebody praying for me or being in the presence of the Lord, it's been because of a weight, not because somebody pushed me down, but there is a presence of God's weight on me that I cannot hold it any longer. And, and I might as well just submit to the weight. Amen. 
It's submitting to the glory. And so the glory, that word kabod means heavy or weighty. And then the, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible goes on to say that heaviness represented honor and substance. Kabod is God's glory, not only his honor, renown, renown and majesty, but also his visible splendor. Visible splendor. That's when, when somebody receives the, the, the fullness of God in one shot, it becomes more than they can stand in. Even though we can't see it, we see the results of glory. We see the results. So God set out to recover the kabod or the splendor in mankind. I mean, he starts in the garden. I mean, the first day, I mean, he's like, I, I'm telling you, Adam and Eve, I'm telling you that I'm going to restore the glory. I'm, I'm, I've got a plan set up. But for now, you guys need to go outside the garden because you need to stay away from the tree of life. Because if you eat of the tree of life with this new knowledge of evil, then you'll live forever in evil. And I won't have a chance to get a restoration in, in, in process. Y'all get it? So God sets out to restore, recover, recover them. Recover us. Recover mankind in God's glory. And, and he did this several times because Adam and Eve rejected his glory or traded his glory. Now God is trying to get that glory back into the earth. And, and so the next time that we see God's splendor on a human was a man named Moses. Y'all remember Moses? Go over to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And Exodus, leading up to Exodus, we know this story. I think most everybody knows this story, but if you don't, Moses was a man that was appointed by God to lead Israel out of their enslavery to Egypt, right? And so when Moses led them out, a lot of circumstances there, good story. Go read it, Exodus. It's a good story. Um, but as, as Moses finally leads them out, he takes them not to the promised land. It, the Bible says it's only an 11-day journey to the, to the promised land, but he wanted to take them to the mountain of God first before they went into the promised land because there were some things that just as, just as God gave Adam and Eve responsibilities to live in the garden, now the children of Israel, three million of them, had to get God's responsibilities to live in the promised land so that they didn't screw that up. But here's what happened at the, at the, at Mount Sinai, the, the, the mountain of God. God comes and speaks, and this is in Exodus chapter 20 is where you can read this, but God comes, gives them the Ten Commandments, right? Now he didn't give them to Moses initially. He gave them, he spoke, the Bible says that he spoke from the mountain to them the Ten Commandments. I mean, God's voice coming off that mountain over three million people and just circling the, the camp. The, there's a Jewish oral history says, it's called the Mishnah, says that when God spoke his command, it would leave his mouth with fire and go around the whole camp of Israel and stop at each person and say, do you receive God? Do you, do you receive God's word in its fullness? Three million times he did that. 
He would stop in that. And y'all, that is a Exodus chapter two moment right there. God coming off the mountain and, and, and speaking in fire to them. The fire would rest in front of them, ask them if they would receive that. Do you know what they said? They said, no, God, don't talk to us. You talk to Moses. We'll listen to him. You'll kill us. We're afraid we're going to die. Once again, that glory that God is sending down around them, they rejected it and they said, tell Moses that. And you know what happened? God told Moses that. He said, all right, Moses, come up on the mountain. The only one that's allowed up here. So he goes up on the mountain and God begins to speak with him. And as God begins to speak with him, this is what Exodus chapter 34, verse 29 says. It says, now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were, were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain. And Moses did not know that his, that the skin of his face shone while he talked to them. Did you hear that? That the skin of his face shone while talking, while he talked with them. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. These people are filled, filled with fear, man. They don't want God talking to them because they're afraid they're going to die. And now they got, they told, we'll listen to Moses. Now Moses comes down in the presence of God, didn't even know what was happening in his body. And he began to talk with them. And now they're afraid of Moses because his skin is glowing. Not because he went to Sephora. <laughs> he went to the mountain of God. And when he, when God spoke to him, there was such an intimate time of talking to God. It was so intimate that now God's spirit began to come out in his physical being. And he didn't even know it. And they were afraid. They said, they said, cover up, Moses. That scares us. Now, the Bible says that his face shone. So I looked up this word shone. The word shone means to be radiant and emit rays of light. Hello? He was radiant. And his there were rays of light coming out of his skin, out of his face. The word shown also means a shining appearance due to the glow of the skin that supernaturally beams light. It was a supernatural thing. He was so engrossed in the presence of God, he didn't even know that he was glowing until people went, whoa, that's too much for us. See, the glory of God is too much for us. The glory of God is too much for mankind. When you step into that glory, you better be ready. Better have your helmet on and your hands out. Because God was trying to exchange their fear for his glory. God was trying. I mean, he could have said, you know what? Y'all don't want to hear my voice and go back to Egypt. There was one time that God got so frustrated with him and he said, hey, Moses, can I just kill him? I can just kill them all. And Moses said, please don't do that. I'll take care of it. He said, we'll do a better job. God was trying to exchange their fear for his glory. And once again, they rejected it. God was hoping for his people to, to position themselves for a place of transformation. God's had the, the plan of transformation since the beginning of time. 
So let's fast forward for Moses a little bit. Fast forward a little bit, 1,300 years forward, okay? Matthew 17. If you want to run over there, you can go over there. Matthew 17. Gosh. Here in Matthew chapter 17, 1,300 years later, Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus is born. He, at 30 years old, he enters into the ministry. And this part that we're going to look at is that he's about halfway. He's about a year and a half into his ministry. So he's right in the middle of his ministry. There's already cool things happening. There's miracle signs and wonders. There's blind eyes open. There's demonic deliverance taking place. There's miracles like walking on the water. He's already done all these things, so he's in the middle of his ministry. Things are at the top. Let me just say something. Jesus never peaked and came down. Jesus peaked and kept peaking, right? He just keeps going higher and higher, and he's wanting his disciples to go higher with him. And so great miracles, signs, and wonders are happening. So here in, in, um, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as, as the light. And behold, Mo- behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then, then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. There was this moment that he takes them up on the mountain. He takes them up there. And, and as they step onto that mountain and, and Peter, James, and John are going, What's going on? Why are we here? That all of a sudden... The glory of God came upon Jesus because of Jesus' intimate relationship that he had with his father. Now he steps into this place and he's transfigured. It says his clothes are as white and bright. There's, there's one, uh, uh, translation that said that the, that laundry detergent wouldn't even make it that white. It was so white. You couldn't wash the white white enough. And so his, his clothes were this way and his skin shone just like Moses. Rays of light, beams of light came out of him. And this was so awesome because the disciples had never seen anything like this before, especially those three. Those three were in the inner circle with Jesus and they had never seen this before. And now they see it and to the point to where they hit their face and God shows up. The weight of glory shows up and they fall down on their face and, and God once again announces Jesus' identity. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now listen to him. Listen to him. Because if, if you listen to him, 
If you listen to him, he'll bring transformation to your life. Guys, we have that same opportunity every day. Every day. We live in a country that is giving us the freedom to have a Bible. As a matter of fact, we're so entitled. Yeah, spoiled. We're so entitled that, you know, we can have multiple Bibles. I cannot tell you how many translations I've got in my library alone of paper Bibles, much less what I have in my computer software. I mean, I can sound smarter than anyone. It's not because I'm smart. It's because I have a lot of Bibles. It says that his face shone. And then it says this important word in in, uh, verse 2. It says that he was transfigured before them. The word transfigured is the same Greek word as transformed. He went into metamorphosis. It's that word, metamorpho. He went into metamorphosis on that mountain that day with his disciples standing there. And what we have to understand is that when we are focused on the presence, we will walk in power. The disciples are in his presence. They're in the presence of his glory. And the day of his glory will begin to shine in his people more and more and more. They were there. And Jesus is saying, look, here I am. I am God's son. And when you have a relationship with God this strong, not only will it transform your mind, but it'll start a process of purifying his love on the inside of you and his glory will begin to rest on you and come through you and in you. Amen? See, the day of his glory, the day of his glory will begin to shine on his people more and more. I'm declaring that today. See, in in 2020, Pastor Lynette got up and God began to speak to her as we went into 2020. They, you know, everybody was prophesying, oh, fresh vision, fresh vision, fresh vision, new vision, got 2020 vision. Okay. But my wife gets up here and says, says, this is the, the decade. This is a decade of declaration. And so I'm declaring this today. I'm declaring that we're going to see God's glory more and more as we zoom into the future. God, give it to us. God, put your glory on us. Not only do we see it in in when we pray for people and people get under the weight of the glory, we're, we're going to see that happen. But I believe that as we move forward in time, that we're going to see people actually who have intimate relationship or if we're in intimate relationship with him, that we begin to step into that same place that the mountain of transfiguration had. See, it's a place, it's a high place. It's a, it's, it's a thin place. It's a high place for God to put his glory on his people. When we'll go to that high place, and that high place is not physical, that high place is with him in his word and in worship and in fasting and in prayer. And in prayer in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Here's the prophetic piece to this deal. I'm not a very prophetic guy naturally. But I do see when prophetic things happen in the Bible.
Stay with me on this, okay? Here in verse 1, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves where he was transfigured before them. After six days is the key there. That's a prophetic key. Because what the Bible says, and, and it says this in Second Peter, the New Testament reference to this, the reference back to the Old Testament, is Peter says this in Second Peter chapter 3. He says, Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So when we look after Jesus took them up after six days, prophetic key here, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. Hang on a second. Hold that thought. Are we still on? Okay. Um, the enemy don't want to say, they want me to say anything about that. But he said after six days, after six days, a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years. After 6,000 years, after 6,000 years, Jesus led them to the mountain of transfiguration. Let me tell you, creation to this point we're at today is 6,000 years. Not at 6,000, but after 6,000. We're more than 6,000 at this point. So when he said after 6,000 or after six days, he's saying after 6,000 days or 6,000 years, there is going to be a new manifestation of this. What you're seeing here on the mountain of transfiguration, the mountain of transformation, the mountain of metamorpho, I am going to do this in my people, in my disciples, after 6,000 years. I believe, this is my declaration over you, and I ask that you would receive this. I believe that we will start seeing the glory of God resting supernaturally on us who are giving ourselves to him. As we walk with him, as we have relationship with him, as we are close to him, there is a transfiguration, there's a transformation that's happening. And as our minds are renewed, we now become vessels that have the ability to receive the glory, the transfiguration that that glory on us, in us, and through us. We're going to see more and more people as the day of the Lord approaches. We're going to see more and more people that are walking in these things that Jesus walked in. And that the disciples, the apostles walked in in the book of Acts. We're going to see, see the, the cool thing about the book of Acts is that it ends in our written Bible it ends at the 28th chapter, but it does not end. It continues. And we are that Acts chapter 29. We are that. And in that, we are going to receive a transformation as we walk in true obedience to the transformation God wants to take us to. As we renew our mind, we're going to set ourselves up into a place where God can now fill us and be on us in such a heavy, cool way that it begins to change the world. You want to be a world changer? Be close to Jesus and allow Him to put His glory upon you. Put His glory in you and let His glory flow out of you. Amen? 
The Apostle Paul puts it this way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are changed from glory to glory. There's not just one glory. It's glory to glory. From to. Ek means out of. From is the Greek word ek that means out of. To is the Greek word ace that means into. We go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Glory to glory to glory. It is a perpetual thing. And as we step into that glory, we, we, there's more that we're opening ourselves up to. There's more that God wants to do as he, oh, I love that line from that song this morning, that fresh outpouring, and it tears the fabric apart for his glory to come more, 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 more God, more. In the Passion Translation, that same verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. With no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord, Jesus. When we are transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Man, that's good, isn't it? I mean, that that right there, I could have just got up and read that right there and we could have said, let's go home. That is so good. I really, I mean, preaching on the glory is the hard, was probably one of the hardest messages to preach. Because I don't know how, other than showing you the word, I don't know how to display that. Other than that when God's glory comes, when God's glory is here and we're allowing God's glory here, that we begin to see miracle signs and wonders. We begin to reach into the heights of where Jesus was when he took his disciples up onto the mountain of transfiguration, the mountain of metamorphosis. We can be in that same place as we carry on our relationship with Jesus, as we carry on our relationship with the word. And so with that, there is a glorious transfiguration that happens. So I'm going to, I'm going to begin to, to land this plane a little bit. Red, if you come on up. And as Rhett comes up, I'm going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. See, Solomon built a temple in Jerusalem. And I just preached on this uh, a couple of months ago or something like that. But Solomon was the one that was given the, um, was given the, um, uh, plans that God gave David and then David gave to Solomon the plans to build the temple. Because up to that point, God had just been hanging out in a tent. It was a nice tent. I mean, it's not something he'd get at, at uh, Shields or something like that. But it was, a, it, was, it, was a gr- it was a great place for God to dwell. But he wanted to, God wanted to dwell in his own building. And so Solomon had the plans. Solomon built that building and and it was one of the, the wonders of the world during its time. 
But when, when Solomon finished that temple and it was ready to move into, everything was done. Everything was ready to go. The priesthood had been set in, but there's nobody inside that building just yet. They've cleared out every, every worker, every person that's there, and they're getting ready to pray and dedicate this building. And this is what it says in Second Chronicles chapter 1. I love this. Well, i got to get there first. Oh, no. All right, you all with me? Stay hooked. Oh, man. Did I not? I did not mark that at all. <laughs> hey, don't, don't expose me here. Here we go. It's one of my favorite stories. It says in verse 1, Psalm, uh, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, chapter 17, chapter, good Lord. 2nd Chronicles, yeah, no doubt. 2nd Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 1 says this. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercies endure forever. This was a building that Solomon had built for God to be housed in. And when they dedicated, when they prayed over that. As soon as they prayed, the fire of God came down, just like he did off Mount Sinai to the people, just like he did in Acts chapter two. He comes down on that temple. And when he comes down on that temple, it begins to show the glory of God. Not that it's on fire, but God's fire was on it, in it, and through it to the point, to the, to the place where the men who would be living in that temple and be ministering from that temple could not enter it because the glory was so great. Are you with me? Yeah. Here's what I want you to see is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6 both say that we are the temple of God. Come on. We're the temple. We're the temple. And if God can come upon a building and put his glory on it, then he can come upon this temple. It's the restoration. It's the recovery of what Adam lost in the garden, the glory of God. Now, God's glory can settle in on us. And we are going to see it, y'all. We are going to see it. It's not just about falling down under the weight of the glory. That's great. But there's going to be times that we're going to run into people that they'll look at us and they'll go, hide your face. You are glowing. You got a radiance about you. The glory of God will settle on his people again. The glory, that, that don't mean you get to go naked. Okay? I read, I think it was Isaiah at one point. It was either Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel. One of those three, God told him to go preach naked. And he did. I'm not calling that in. No streakers in here. Unless you're sure. Never, never mind. I ain't going to go there. 
we are the temple of God. And if God can come up on a brick and mortar building with his glory, he can sure come up on us. His fire. I, I don't want to, I don't want to stand at the bottom of Mount Sinai and go, don't speak to me, God. Speak to Moses. He's your dude. I'll, 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 I'll hear him, but I don't want to hear you. No, I want the glory. I want the glory. There's, there's a lot of stuff that God's got to move in my life in order to get his glory in me. But I've walked in, in minuscule parts of the glory. So in closing all of this series that we've been talking about, the keys to the presence, the power, and the glory, the keys to to this is positioning ourselves for glory. Because once you step into that glory, the presence and the power you know are there. The glory is what carries the presence and the power. to positioning ourselves for glory is knowing that God loves us, He forgives us, and He pursues us. Making room for Him in our lives. we got to make room, God. Guys, this, the, the, the world is, is competing. The world is competing for the room in our lives. Social media is competing for our time with God. TV is, and I'm not saying go throw these things out. I'm saying we've got to be in a place where we begin to make room for God's glory. And lastly, seeking his face and not his hand. Crystal Lyons told us that years ago. We've got to be seekers of his face and not his hands. Not just making our prayers, God, give me. God, I need. God, I want. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. But we need to seek his face. That's where everything gets met. That's where the glory comes is when we seek his face. But when we're just going to him and seeking his hands and what he can give us, that that stuff will fade out. That stuff will go away. You need a new car? Ask him for one. But there's going to come a time where five or seven or ten years down the road that that car is worn out and you're going to have to go get another one. But if you seek his face, the glory will never wear out. The presence will never wear out. The power will never wear out. As a matter of fact, it's going to make you hungrier for more. That, friends, is the ingredients for transformation positioning ourselves just like that little caterpillar does the little caterpillar is created he's born he does what he does no purpose to him until he positions positions himself high in the tree and steps into that place of transformation and that's where God begins to shift everything on the inside of him and when he comes out of that cocoon out of that chrysalis his wings are born and now he has purpose that is what we're doing that is where we're at that is where we're at it's transformation God says be transformed by the renewing of your mind making room for him making room for the glory I don't know about you but I want to walk in glory 
I want to walk in glory. So let me pray that over you this morning as we close up shop. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for each and every one of these that have come here in person. God, I thank you for those who are watching by social media or whatever. I pray that, God, that everyone who hears this under the sound of my voice, I pray that everyone who hears this will say, I want the glory. I want glory so much not to bring recognition to me, but to bring recognition to God. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that each and every person, that this would be a place, a a place, a portal, a thin place, that the people who enter into this building will begin to shine the glory of God wherever they go. The miracle signs and wonders, God, that, that, that as we go to the mountain of transfiguration, we know that Jesus, you are God's son. And you being God's son, you're the one that houses your glory upon your temple. And I thank you that we are the temple. Father, I praise you. I thank you for all that you are. I thank you for all that you do. And I pray, God, that we will begin to renew our minds and rethink the things that you have purpose in our life. And as you have purpose in our life, God, I pray that we will be bold enough to to minister that same anointing of the glory on other people. Father, I pray right now for miracles, signs, and wonders throughout this body. Not for each other, but for people outside of this building that need a touch from Father. And that we carry the glory to do that. I thank you, God. I praise you for what you're going to do. And God, we look forward to this day that you place your glory upon your temple. So strong, so heavy, so obvious that, God, we see your glory, your presence, and your power in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, God, I pray that they would do that right now. God, that they would say, Jesus, I give myself to you totally. I give you me so that you can have me and that I can have you. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your son, Jesus, what he did on that cross. And I thank you, God, for these that are saying fresh and new. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now for those who have once walked with you and through whatever, through guilt and shame, whatever the case may be, have stepped away from your presence. God, I pray that they would be restored, that they would see that they need recovery, and that they would pray, Jesus, I give you my life again. I give you my life again. Thank you, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.